1: It's your call for the best college football coverage from national signing day to the national championship and everything in between. CBS sports presents the cover three podcast.
0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3. For those of you that are joining us, welcome. Nice to be with you again uh, this Thursday, 11 a.m. time, where we did uh, Unleash week after week after week after week. All of our locks for the coming weekend, we thought it would be an appropriate time and place to really get into our full preview of Alabama and Georgia, the college football playoff national championship game in Indianapolis coming up on Monday. So I've got a list of uh, 15 different questions, everything from who will win to who has the edge in de- several different areas of the game. We don't need to run through them all, but I wanted to make sure that we attack this in lots of different ways, which will also include our first scan of some of the initial player props because that's another fun way to have action in this game. If we've got first half, second, first half, first quarter, if you've got, you got anything uh, on the board, we want to make sure that we give you our angles and our thoughts on this. So uh, we had a, a little bit of an early look ahead, just to, just general thoughts on Monday. I want to begin with, uh, with this basic question. And Danny, I'll throw it to you first. What do you think Georgia learned about itself in this matchup from the SEC championship game that may influence the way that they approach and game plan to play the Crimson Tide again?
2: It's mm, a good one. I think they... They've got to figure out they have to get pressure on Bryce Young. They have to get results, sacks, like good hits. They have to throw off his rhythm and timing. And I think that's like the biggest takeaway, I would say. They have to do whatever it takes to influence Bryce Young in a negative way. Like make him can't be comfortable because he's he's looked human. I mean, he just looked human against Cincinnati because he was a little bit uncomfortable. He didn't look uncomfortable at all in the SEC championship game. So I think that's probably the biggest thing they're going to have to figure out is how are they going to change that? Do y'all agree?
1: Yes, very much because there was one game this entire season in which Georgia did not get a sack. Anyone want to guess what game that was?
2: Well, I know they didn't have one against Alabama.
1: Exactly. And you know, this is like, if you look now, this is going to be a shocking, shocking discovery, but Bryce Young isn't as good when pressured as when he's not. It's crazy to see that of a quarterback, but there's like significant drop-offs in his number when he's under pressure versus when he's in a clean pocket. Like if you look, his yards per completion are are higher under pressure, and so are his air yards per attempt because he's just kind of, you know, throwing deep. But his completion percentage drops from 75.6% when not pressured to 46.5% when he is under pressure, and his yards per attempt drops a full yard and a half. His interception rate goes up nearly three times. It's pretty clear what Georgia needs to do. And I think one of the bigger changes we'll see, Georgia's a team that on the season ran ran a lot of cover one or a single high safety a lot. I think we're going to see that a lot more in this game because Georgia had 16 pressures, quote unquote, on Young in the first matchup. 12 came when they were in cover one. And you know what Bryce Young's lowest passing rating is against as far as coverage schemes are? Cover one. So I'm guessing we're going to see a whole hell of a lot more of that in this rematch. And I also think John Mechie not being available might make Georgia a little more willing to go more
0: man underneath. Can, can we jump into the football side of that real quick, just so we can explain, to like, why why do you think that the, the cover one is it the matchups on the outside and the way that you're providing coverage? Like, if you sit back in zone, then Bryce will dice you apart. Like, what are the, the the explanations of why cover one is a is a look that Bryce Young might have trouble with? And also, if you really want to dumb it down for the listeners and the viewers, exactly, you know, what to look for as a as a viewer at home? Because I have scanned the options for this, you know coach's film room has been kind of fun from time to time. Jimbo will be in there and I'm sure that you know just listening to Jimbo Fisher talk about football is something that I enjoy. But we've also got the Skycam. And the Skycam actually will give you the opportunity to watch this. So why do you think that is and what are some things that the viewers can look for?
1: The windows just aren't as large honestly like if if you've got guys who can man up and cover guys in man it's gonna be more difficult like yeah there's more breakaways because if you do get open and beat your guy you know with Jamison Williams well you're screwed but as far as just like a zone, if Bryce Young's able to sit in that pocket not getting pressure and he knows that what coverage the defense is in before the snap he just waits for his guy to get to the
3: one spot he's waiting for him to get to bam makes the throw so I Tom I, I don't know if you have this handy I'd be curious if you do um do you have the game-by-game breakdown of, of Bryce against cover one? Because it, it strikes me that somewhat in the Arkansas game and then really with the LSU game and the Auburn game, uh, Bama, LSU kind of laid down the game plan for this with, with Durante Jones. I, I thought playing a lot more man coverage against the Tide. And Alabama was a very heavy RPO team through about 10, 11 games this year. And then they got away from that. They didn't run near, near as much RPO against Georgia, uh, I think because they probably realized Georgia saw what LSU and Auburn did to them, and they had to start running some other stuff. I, that could work, and I'm, I'm not against what you're saying here. I am curious, though. One thing Alabama has not been very good at this year is red zone, and without Mechie, who was a pretty good red zone target and a very reliable receiver, you know, Jamison Williams is probably most dangerous uh, relative to field position when, when the field is wide open. It gives him so much space to operate in. If I'm Georgia, I, I wonder if they don't go the total opposite. I wonder if they go a little more dose of humility and say, hey, we're okay giving up 28 to Alabama or 24. We don't want to give up the big explosive play. We will play more too deep look and try to defend the run with fewer guys, thinking that maybe Alabama's offensive line is not Quite as fixed as it looked in that game, and we'll try to play a little red zone roulette. It would take a big dose of humility for George, you know, for for UGA to try to do so. However, I mean, they did give up a bunch of bombs in that first game, and if they, to me, if they want, well, first of all, I I guess I should stop talking. Tom, do you do you have the game by game there? (laughs) Yeah, oh, you do. Nice. Okay. Uh, For the first twelve games of the
1: season, like they didn't, not many defenses threw a lot at it for obvious reasons. There aren't a lot of teams that could really run that against Alabama's receivers expect to survive very long. The most you saw up until the end of November was against LSU when there were 10 passing attempts that Young made against it. Where things really spiked was in the Iron Bowl. Auburn ran a lot Of cover one and in 29 pass attempts against it, Young had a passer efficiency of 79.1 He completed only 38% of his passes, 5.7 yards per attempt. And since then, we've seen more teams running it. Georgia ran more of it against them in the SEC title game. And then Cincinnati ran some of it too, quite a bit. And again, they have corners who they feel comfortable running it with. In the semifinal, and in all three of those games, whenever they ran cover one against Auburn, thirty-eight percent completion percentage against Georgia, twenty-five percent against Cincinnati, thirty-six point four under six yards per attempt in each of them. So that is something I think we're going to see. But I also think you're right. But I, 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 we might see them get a little more conservative and say, you know, screw it, we're going to give up twenty eight points. But I just think too, like when you're If you're dropping two back, you can't really bring extra guys. I think if you're if you're doing some cover one, you could do some stuff blitz wise to get some more pressure on from angles he's not seeing before the snap and confuse him. And I think you have to, because as we've talked about, like if when they're running their quick game and they're getting the ball out quick, which, like Bud, you said many times is the one way to beat Georgia. He can only do that if he knows what's coming before the snap. If you're giving them odd, different looks, bringing blitzers from different places at different times, and he's got to sit there and try to figure it out before the snap, they have to slow things down on their own just to get, get an idea of what's going on, and I think that could be effective.
3: I, I completely agree with that. I, The one thing I thought Alabama did so well in the first game, they got the ball out fast. Bryce Young played an absolute unbelievable game. Um, I went and looked at it, whether you sort it by EPA or win probability added, all of Alabama's top 10 plays in this game where Bryce Young runs or Bryce Young passes. Like the running game outside of Bryce Young really didn't do a damn thing. And as you noted, Georgia got a lot of pressures on Bryce Young, but they didn't get him down. And when you pressure and you don't get the guy on the ground, and especially in the certain situations where Bama wants to take shots, if you do not force the ball out of his hands quickly when you pressure, it's night night termite. And particularly here, I thought two guys were – I think that's an old pest control commercial. Somebody Google that. Um, It's a good slogan. So they had two guys that really got picked on. Amir Speed at corner. I mean, we can talk about Darren Kendrick, and he won the MVP of the Orange Bowl. He also got beat really badly a couple times in the Orange Bowl, and McNamara slash McCarthy missed throws there. Uh, But Amir Speed was a liability for them in that game at corner. And then also 47, um, Dan Jackson – who's listed as a reserve, basically anytime he was in the game at safety, Alabama found a way to pick on him. So I thought it was very brilliant of Clack, of clack. What, yeah, right, mm-hmm. exactly. Like, Jordan's got nine guys in that defense who are no doubt NFL dudes, and I'm sure Amir will, will go to the NFL too. I'm not sure Dan Jackson is, and they found ways to pick on those guys. So uh, can you afford to focus on... My, my thought is like, okay, you don't have Mechie in this game. I know I'm, I'm running long here. Apologies. But... If you play a little more conservative coverage-wise, you say Bama's run game has not been great all year. I know Robinson's healthier. You can try, you can try to play some bracket stuff on Williams when you have the open field situation. And I think, I, think, you know, I think Brooks and those guys can hit explosive plays. Can they, as true freshmen, be consistent down-to-down getting open for Bryce? I If I'm Georgia, I'm betting a little bit more and saying, hey, I'm okay with, if you give up 24. I think my defense will maybe get a turnover or two. Can you really win against me in the red zone all that much when, when you know, that's not really Williams's game? I want to force those freshmen to be consistent in their route running, not just
2: explosive. I know they're explosive. Uh, did you guys think Bryce Young looked great against Cincinnati? No. No. What did we talk about Cincinnati, what they needed to do to make him uncomfortable, like throwing a lot of different looks at him, like making him uncomfortable, like bringing – I think – like if you're Georgia – and you decided, all right, we're going to beat you with Cover One. You went, man. Most of the game, they'll slice and dice you. Like I, they, they would figure it out because every, you know, every offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, has been around a lot of offense, and he came up with a great offensive plan. You have a, you have a sheet of plays that are on there that say, man beaters, and you would just keep dialing those up, and you'd run a lot of crossing routes, get some picks, and it doesn't matter if it was Jameson Williams or somebody else, you would get them. Now, that's if you just like said, oh, we're just going to line up and go, man. What you need to do is. You need to throw some cover one. You need to throw some cover zero. Like, bring the house. Take mm-hmm. some risks there. Sit back in some zone. You know, do a lot of zone blitz. Like, that for me is always really tricky for a quarterback is when they show all-out blitz, and then it looks like they're bringing six, and they're only bringing four, except one of those guys that's dropping out is a lineman, just messing up your lanes and your timing. And I thought Cincinnati did a good job of mixing up the looks now, they couldn't stop the runs. That was a problem, but they don't have the personnel that Georgia has. Cause that's the thing. Sometimes when you get cute with those zone blitzes and you're dropping you know, the defensive linemen, getting ready to drop out, you're like, all right, we'll just run against this. Well, that's what Bama was able to do somewhat. Georgia can't let that happen. And I don't think Georgia does. So I'd like to see them get like a little bit more creative with some of the pressures that they bring because, and they've got to get home. They have to get home. They have to, like, you got to get some hits on them. Um, and, like, because Bryce Young, he really hurt them when they did try to get after him. And you can't, you got to have some, you got to throw off, throw off his rhythm, throw off his timing, and they couldn't, you know, and they've got to figure out a way to make him uncomfortable. Cause even then, then when the protection is there, I mean, there were a couple plays and, you know, they just they looked off for Bryce Young, a couple throws. He just didn't feel comfortable. You cannot let him feel comfortable. And he was way too comfortable in the first game.
3: They also really have to do a better job of playing the bunch stuff that Alabama presented them, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they, a mere speed. Um, if you go back and watch that game, he was not reacting to it. It was like he was guessing, and that really that that messed up the rest of their defense on some of those plays. I, I think I saw a PFF stat that Georgia only had three coverage busts of twenty plus on the entire season, and all three occurred in that game. You know, mm-hmm. it, that's what I'm. That's the main thing I'm worried about is busting coverages here. I think in the red zone, Georgia has, has the advantage. They're on huge sides huge of the defensively. Ball? No, not necessarily, but like in terms because of Georgia's
0: red zone offense is suspect. It was something yeah. that was
3: very interesting as I was digging
0: through this and in, in terms of like where the points and the yards are going to come. Georgia's red zone defense is absolutely bananas. So yeah. much better than Alabama's and better than pretty much everybody else in the country. But I was surprised when I was like, Oh, Alabama is about 10% better on score percentage, about 10% better on touchdown percentage. Like, When it comes to getting down in the red zone and being able to punch it in for six, the Crimson Tide have actually been the better team this year. And that is not what I think my assumption would have been considering how Georgia is so much better as a rushing offense uh, in general.
1: And I think that that comes down to one of the weaknesses for Stetson Bennett. Because honestly, when you have the rushing game that Georgia has with their backs, their offensive line, and then you've got the two giant tight ends that they have in Bowers and Washington, you should be a lot more successful in the red zone. But I think Bennett, has trouble with those throws in that kind of tight areas with his arm. I think Bennett, especially like if you look at him up the seam down the middle, I think he's very good, like, you know, 10 to 20 yards down the field. But I think in the shorter stuff over the middle and towards the edges, his arm kind of hurts him and betrays him. And he can't really get into those tight windows.
3: Well, you don't have to layer the ball as much in the red zone because it's not like like you're, I mean, Dan, Danny, how often are you throwing the ball over a backer in front of the safety yeah. in the red zone? It's just not right. like there's not really, the, there, there's not that honey hole to hit.
2: Exactly. Um, you know, the other thing I was just thinking of Bud when he was saying they looked like they were confused and having trouble with dealing with some of the bunches. This is where the, re- the the repeat, like the, you know, having to play a team twice, I think really helps Georgia. Now, both teams have film on each other and you can look at them. There's a couple things. So that game was on a one week window. You know, typical, you finish with your rivalry game. You know, of course, Iron Bowl and then Georgia Tech, but whatever. Then you start to prep. It's kind of a short week. I'm pretty certain like school was still in. So you still have kind of some school like finals to finish up. Now you've got a few extra days to dissect some of this stuff. And there are no no school obligations. Like this is all in all the time. So extra film for both the coaches and the players to kind of give them more to look at. And now you're looking at film of the game you just saw. Now Bama's not going to come out there and do the same thing offensively, and neither is Georgia, but some of that extra time I do think benefits Georgia uh, in this rematch, you know, situation. And it's it was interesting because that's six. why like when we saw, when we saw the, you know, I, I was a good uh, comment on here. Uh, Alex Simon here on the comment section said the last three Bama uh, Georgia games were, uh, have all cleared 60 plus points, but the total is, you know, around 52, 52 and a half. This is the first one where we've really seen like in a back. Is this the first, this is the first rematch, right? in this close of a window. Or did they play in the, the championship game in the SEC title? Was no, that, they, no, that was the Alabama. One that, yeah, yeah Alabama missed it, right? In that game, yeah, yeah, so that's the first one that they play. That's Because I, I thought it was a really good point, but I do think the rematch aspect of this helps the defenses make the adjustments they need. So, so let me
3: ask you this. What, what is Bama's counter to counter? So if Georgia yeah. does go and say, hey, I'm more conservative this time. like So clearly, like what Auburn and LSU did were try to take Bama out of the RPO game. Right, and they they played a lot more man, and Bama did not adjust to that very well. And part of that was probably some of their issues up front, which we still don't have an update on Chris Owens and Emile Ikior. So it may be J C Latham and, Am- and Amari Kite. We'll, we'll we'll see. But if Bama decides to go more zone, which does does or excuse me, if Georgia decides to go more zone, does Bama go back to more RPO or or do they have another counter for that? Can they run the ball? That's the so question. Like yeah, that's you, the you invite yeah. the RPO and just say okay, Bama. Yeah. Can you run it on us? And like, you may like, I, I plan to bet under on, on one of these, these player props. And I, and honestly, like the, I might get game scripted out of this thing and lose because if I'm Georgia, I'm kind of okay with Bama running the ball. Like, I don't think Brian Robinson is going to kill me. Uh, because eventually like one of my big D, D linemen will win up front. We'll get a TFL. We'll get a holding call. We'll get you off schedule. I, I, I don't know, man. I feel like that plays to my strength as opposed to asking my secondary to play one on one, unless I think I can get Bryce Young on the ground. And then Tom is exactly right because they did get pressure on him last time. He just, he dodged him and then was was bomb. And that's the thing, too. Like he was,
1: there were some throws when you go back and watch, like you just see and you think of like the numbers he put up, which were ridiculous and a lot of the big plays. But there were some of those throws he was just kind of tossing up there. And he had a guy with that just happened to run under and get it and then make a big play. There were lots of yards after the catch and that kind of stuff. Jamison Williams had a huge game in that respect. So I do think that I don't want to say it was luck because he's very good, but he had the benefit of some luck in that first game that if it doesn't go his way this time, things could be a lot different.
0: For sure, and I I want to point out that this is a matchup, right? And can we just say for a second that we are having a really good time taking all of it, everything that we just saw from two elite teams playing each other, and all the different wrinkles and the different ways that this can be adjusted? The rematch is not a bad thing. If you let me get my uh, love football. That's, that's our phrase for the offseason. Oh, I mean, imagine oh. how
2: much better it would be if it was two ACC teams, though. <laughs> it would be that much better. I, I want to point out, by the way, uh, Paxton
3: Joiner in the comments said, Hey, Ringo is a starting corner, not speed. I get that, but speed and Dan Jackson still played in that game they against Bama lot. and they yeah. got picked on. So maybe Keely Ringo plays more and doesn't get picked on. But if you go back and watch, Bama made some of its more explosive plays against those two so
0: so where did it go wrong for Stetson Bennett and the Georgia offense the first time did the game kind of slide out of control and then all of a sudden you're you're a little bit out of your comfort zone and and it starts to snowball on you or are there you know are, are there aspects of this you know we're doing a lot of self-scouting for both of these teams and trying to think about what you can learn from the SEC championship and what it could mean for the national championship. You know, what happens for Georgia that can help that offense be able to lead to a different result?
2: Stetson Bennett threw it 48 times. Yeah. You're not going to win if you throw Stetson Bennett 48 times. Like you need, I think you need him to have a game where he's like 22 at 28 max you know, and two touchdowns and hopefully no interceptions. Like You just don't want – I don't think you want – and that's not a knock against Stetson Bennett. It's just not who he is. It's not who this team is. You know, I just don't. I don't picture a scenario where Georgia wins in another, you know, shootout type of game where Stetson Bennett has to go toe to toe with Bryce Young. Also, like, things you got to. Georgia had a ten nothing lead in that game, mm-hmm. yeah. and then everything just
1: kind of fell apart in the second quarter. Alabama put up twenty four points. It's just, it was one of those things where what good teams will sometimes do to you, they'll just completely hit you with a a barrage of stuff. And Georgia's defense really kind of fell apart and there was blown coverages. There was a whole lot of crap that went on in that quarter that buried them and they couldn't come back. And that's the thing with Georgia. Once they get behind like that against another really good team, they don't have the kind of offense that's built to come back from large deficits. So they're down, you know, it was only a seven point score at the halftime, but then Alabama in the second half, Like Georgia's defense did a much better job in that second half. Mm -hmm. Alabama still scored 17 points, but it wasn't what we saw in that like 10 minute period of the second quarter where things just went to hell. So I do feel like that quarter kind of makes you it's kind of an outlier for how the game went. But of course, it's it all counts. So you can't take it away. So the key, I think, for Georgia is just avoid those plays and they'll probably be fine, which is why I started to think maybe, bud, you're on the
3: right track with what they might consider doing there. So I mean, you just you need Stetson. This is what I have written down on my sheet. Stetson Bennett needs to be the guy. People say he is. People say he's a game manager. He's not. He takes no. unacceptable risks relative to his talent level. There's a reason. Even that he in was Michigan a in that game, he yeah. was doing it. Like yes. they yes. were up yes. big,
2: and he's like making a couple foolish throws. Like, I what tweeted are you doing? about it. Like what <laughs> is so, this YOLO he shit? What are to we feel doing?
1: himself a little bit, guys. You know, he gets he gets a little pumped up. He's like, I can make that throw yeah. up Stetson Bennett the fourth.
3: Completely agree. I mean, I. I if he just manages the game and takes shots on the design shots and doesn't try to to, to pull off some magic, I, I think how hot Bryce was was getting probably forced Stetson to, to do some stuff that he's not capable of doing consistently as as Bryce is. Um, you know that that's the you you kind of have to have Alabama play your game, right? And Bryce is gonna get hot and he's gonna make some crazy throws and you gotta realize like, man, the way you lose this. Is trying trying to, to go shot for shot with Bryce Young. It's not going to happen. Okay. You're the mailman. You're not FedEx.
0: <laughs> Two interceptions and a turnover on downs in the first three second half possessions for the mm-hmm. Georgia
1: Bulldogs. Yeah. And that killed any chance of a
2: comeback. comeback. What would nope. you do? What would you guys do if you're Kirby smart? Because I think a lot of this is mental for Georgia. You know, clearly they have the talent to do this. So, you know, and just the thought about that, you know, turnover on downs. I don't even remember specifically exactly when you decided to go for it on a fourth down. But, like, do you play it – like, do you play it a little more conservative? Or do you take risks? Do you try to force the issue to take some shots early to get, like, just kind of loosen everybody up? Like, what do you think your mindset is? I don't know because they had – double digit leads
0: in the (laughs) SEC championship game in the regular season game last year in the national championship game in 2017 and in the SEC championship game in 2018, they've always had these awesome starts that have have led you to believe that this was going to be the game. And in each one of them, like, and that's the thing is I can't tell Georgia is like, you know what you need to do is go down early. That would really be the plan because it hasn't worked out the other way. You should try falling in a 10 0 deficit. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> they, they have done in each of these games what you would think you would want to do to inspire confidence. And in each one of them, Alabama has just pulled the rug out.
3: I mean, I, I would probably ask Stetson Bennett to do less reading of the defense, a little more shot plays, try to rely on some of the, some of the play action stuff a little more, and, and just live with it. Saban confused him several times. I mean, he, he, threw, those, he threw those two interceptions. He could have had four. Honestly, like, like Bama should have picked him more than they did in that ball game. Um, I thought they used Brock Bowers very effectively down the seam. I don't know what it says that. So this is interesting because Georgia had, in some big time games, has thrown James Cook out there or Kenny McIntosh, obviously, and, and run him down the field and thrown the ball effectively to them over the top. That's a fairly not gonna say easy throw, but easy read it's, do you have, does the backer travel with him all, all the way out there? Bennett can can put the ball out there and layer it to him. It worked against Michigan. It actually worked against Alabama last year, uh, I believe, as well in the game in Tuscaloosa. Uh, But Georgia will need more from its receivers in this game, I think. Pickens has to be a guy that is continuing to improve. He looked physical against Michigan. Uh, They need to have somebody else step up, and I think they probably can have that happen. I I thought Georgia blocked pretty well uh, against them. Just save and confuse Bennett. And you have to assume that if you ask him to drop back, throw the ball a ton, he will do so again. So I, I would limit what I ask him to do as far as actually making reads. Jermaine Burton, get he's, open. He's not as smart of a player as, as like the media gives him credit for. We're like, oh, he's good. I'm like, okay,
2: he's, he has good numbers. Where I Is think he the he's reason for those numbers? Where where I think he's got to be good too, and he's he's done this in their better games, is like utilized his legs in third downs. You know, when all of a sudden there's a little bit pressure, instead of trying to throw it, tucks it, runs it, gets down. M- m- you know, moves the chains. Like he's got to got to make good decisions on those third and fourth down short calls when he's scrambling around because he's got a little. Like that's where I do think he's better than J T. Daniels is he does bring a little more versatility with what he can do with his mobility. He's been below average relative to, to situation this year on third down
3: mm-hmm. like that. That's why I think they need to, to go with more of those shot plays early. Uh, and I keep am saying this I'm kind of the anti punt guy, but punting play. is not the worst thing when you have this defense. And you have yes!
2: we got him. I, that's what I was kind of at. That's what I think. So yeah, too. I think
1: they got to play a little like complimentary g- clock control field position football. I think the best way to stop Alabama's offense is not letting it get on the field. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that kind of goes to this before about what you were saying, Bud. And I know both you and I were talking about the under on Brian Robinson's rush total. It's not the worst thing if he's rushing the ball because it is keeping the clock moving, and it's not the big play. Like you don't want to get gas for those, you know, sixty-yard touchdown bombs, like you know, they're quick hitting plays. So it's not the worst case to get run on a little bit. Do we know who's calling this game as far as the uh, as far as the officials?
3: No. Please tell me it's ACC officials. <laughs> well, because you you can get. You can get data on that as far as like the types of calls certain ref crews make, and, and you
2: know, like I know there are people who track that. So they really? Uh, why wouldn't you let them have SEC if that's what they're used to, and it's two SEC teams? Um, I agree, uh, but it's probably predetermined before the. Yeah, oh, it's starts. definitely predetermined. Yeah, um, you know, uh, let's it's see.
0: Whoever, whatever conference is left out of the college football playoff, gets like their officials automatically. Oh God,
2: we're to twelve
3: for some it's playoff.
2: Please be with the guy with the glasses. You
3: know, I mean uh, if it's a if it's a high holding call. Me.
2: Uh-oh.
3: Is it Pacquiao
1: CC Dwayne Height. Okay. Dwayne, it's um, ACC in the title game.
3: I mean if he's a a high holding call official or crew, I definitely dare him to run the, run the ball cuz you'll have some drives that are ended just on some holding stuff that gets him behind the chains. That'll probably be something that I, I guarantee you Georgia and Alabama have, have have scouted this out already. Definitely.
0: Any you uh, got
3: eight thousand coaches on the staff. Somebody yeah. better. Somebody. Somebody is charting all the holding calls that Dwayne Height and his crew have called this year.
0: Any, uh, any, any. Other, we're, we're on the other side of the break. We're going to get into our actual, um, you know, against uh, the spread picks, over under picks, player props that uh, have our attention that we like. Any other, just sort of matchup specific stuff that it has stood out as you continue to break down this game in advance of uh, Monday's kickoff.
2: What is there a Brock Bowers injury? Is that a minor? Is that just a a news like he's fine? Like the shoulder deal? Cuz I, you know, I've I've just seen it. I haven't done a lot of deep dive into it, but I do think like if he's significantly, you know, but it sounds like it's I haven't seen anything major. I haven't I seen anything scared. to be concerned about.
0: That. On it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Coming up on the other side, some of our favorite player props to target in the National Championship game and Our picks against the spread and on the total, next. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance. The Georgia Bulldogs favored by three over under of 52 and a half. Before we get to some of our player props, um Bud, why don't you lead us off? What do you, are you you got any like first quarter, first half? Any anything real sicko that uh that you're gonna jump on for this game? Predict the game script, hit an alt line.
3: I, I actually want to go last. I'm waiting for some of these alts and stuff to, to pop up. Maybe maybe they'll pop up during during the show. Let, let me let me go
2: last. Okay. Danny? <laughs> So, I, I've been given out, like on a couple, you know, radio interviews that we do. We all kind of do these cross. I've been given out, if it's under three, if it's two and a half, lay the two and a half with Georgia. You know, if it gets over three or three and a half, I kind of like Bama. I do think it's going to be that tight. For our locks purposes, I don't have a lock on the side, but I do like the under. And I probably lean to the first half under ahead of the total of the game under. So that would be a lock for me would be the first half under, which I'm seeing at 26. I can get you 26 and a half. I like that. I just think the defensive adjustments that will be taking place here, we were talking about it earlier about how you got film, you got some of those bunch looks to look at, you got the personnel. No Mechie I do think will slow down uh, Bama's offense somewhat. And I do think that Georgia will probably try to limit Stetson Bennett. I don't think they're gonna go out there and you know be taking a ton of shots. They'll dial them up exactly when they need to. And I think they might look at what just they just did against Michigan, who had a really strong front seven, and they're like, Nope, we're just gonna bully you and we're gonna try to do that. I think they might try to do that against Alabama. Tom, what are you thinking? Oh, man, I don't really love anything. <laughs>
1: That's the problem. Like, when it comes to the spread and the total, I'm not really super excited about either of the options. I, I, for the purpose of the show, I'll lock up Georgia minus three, but I'm not highly confident in it. I think that Georgia could win, but I think, I, I don't, I feel like if Georgia wins, it's going to be close because it's probably going to be a lower scoring game because that's the way Georgia's going to want to play it. If Alabama wins, I don't think it'd be as close. I think it'd be a higher scoring game and Alabama kind of pulls away, kind of looks like what the first game did. So I'm going, here's what I would do. I would go Georgia minus three. They're at two and a half now, aren't they? Is there a two and a half yeah, I'm out there? At,
2: I'm looking at our William Hill Caesars has two and a half. There's there some we There's two go. and a half out there.
1: Give yeah. me the two and a half. Here's what I'm going to do. They're not up yet, but sorry, I'm still waiting to. I am going to take Georgia minus two and a half, and then I'm going to take Alabama minus six and a half.
0: Yeah. Because if Alabama wins...
1: I think it's going to be by a touchdown at least.
0: Yeah. Um, Alabama plus the points. Can I get a plus three? We still yeah. got any plus three? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Alabama plus the points. Alabama money line sprinkle. And I like the first half under, but I think I'm going to f- follow along with... Um, the point that was made earlier in the chat, you know, I think that this game ends up getting just a little bit loose in the second half and 52 and a half is pretty low. You know, last, like you said, last three have gone over 60. And so if, if I've got a full touchdown from, from that number and I know what Bryce Young's explosiveness can be, I, I just think there's uh there's too many touchdowns out there available with all of the speed. It's a little bit, um, I used it as like an exhibition game, but still from that same idea, it's like there's just too many good players on the field. This game is in a vacuum. It's so unique. The, the idea that one uh, miscommunication, one busted coverage, one bad angle on a tackle, when, when both teams are this good, um, I just, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I will take the over 52.5 to go with my Alabama plus three.
3: So my numbers say Georgia. Um, they also said Georgia the first time, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do think there's an element here where Georgia's faced kind of one quarterback this year who's worth a damn. Uh, that, that's that's too strong. They faced one, like, legitimate, no doubt NFL quarterback and a bunch of guys who are somewhere between bad to decent. And Who was that, that? Who are you categorizing that? I mean, I think Hooker is decent yeah, too. for a college quarterback, but like it's also that Baylor system where you can be decent or great, and you're still going to put up huge numbers. It's kind of a hack for CFB with the hash marks, you know. And I think Mullins' offense back then was, you know, pretty good, uh, although they were starting to self to a little bit implode there. Um, I mean, I don't really want to bet anything on this, which is kind of crazy. There's some stuff I would consider though. I would take a shot at under 27 first half. Like, just if you guys just want some, got some walking around money. Uh, there's, I think, two 27s out there right now. So that's kind of an important number, I would say, for a first half. Like, I wouldn't be playing 25s. If you, you can take under 10 and a half first half if you think that both teams kind of have a little, little more feeling out thing. But Bama and Georgia have both gone quite a bit of tempo early in games of late. So that kind of scares me off of that somewhat. Did you if mean quarter? Uh, yeah, quarter, first, quarter, under, yeah, 10, yeah, yeah, uh, right. Sorry. Um, I think some alt lines could be interesting here for sure. Like, how do you game script this? Is there a chance that Georgia blows out Alabama? No, no you know,
0: no, no way. I, I will. Say, listen, a blowout would involve, in my opinion, an injury or a complete implosion at quarterback for Bryce Young. Like that's, I don't see a scenario where Bryce Young is on the field playing four quarters of healthy football and getting blown out of the water. It might feel like a blowout in a ten point Georgia win, but I, I just think that that's that boy too good. He's too like he's. We just saw like you mentioned it plays where he was even just taken off and running ended up being some of the biggest expected points added and win probability added. Like those those moments where he is the most outstanding player in college football and can just make things happen in a way that nobody else on the field can. So I, I think that of all the results, if you're talking about alt lines, I feel the most confident that this is not going to be a 21-point dog walking from, no pun intended, Georgia on Alabama.
2: You can get Georgia minus 9.5 at plus 200. Mm. Possible, but you know, B- Bama could also
3: blow these guys out. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's more likely. Man. I mean, there's no way this is going to be easy. Georgia, with all the Georgia in the air, there is no way it's going to be easy. And I think that Georgia, I'm picking Alabama to win, but Georgia winning would not be a surprise at all. And it would be monumental for that program, for that head coach, and very interesting in terms of uh, throwing us a little bit of curveball, a new item in the script, and the way that we talk about SEC football and college football at the national level. But there, I mean, it ain't going to be easy.
1: I see one book offering Alabama minus six and a half at plus one ninety five. They go up to seven and a half at plus two forty.
3: Do you take well? So you can get Bama minus three plus one sixty. Mm-hmm. Would you go six and a half for an additional thirty five cents? I, mm. I would not. I, that that's I mean you're selling what seven half points there? Yeah. For an average of only five cents, I think that's pro not really, working. although you know, f- fives are dead, fours not totally dead, but somewhat dead. You know, six, six and a half.
0: I'm so glad I've got you guys. I took zero <laughs> math classes after AP <laughs> stat in high
3: school. All right, so what I was doing there is basically saying, like, what is the value of a half point if I was going to buy it? What's the value of a half point if I'm going to sell it? You're essentially selling seven half points to go from mm-hmm. three to six and a half, right? As mm-hmm. you know, three and a half points is seven half points, and so then I'm thinking, hey, like, what would I? would I rather play there, right? Minus three plus, or so, I mean, if you think about this. Speaking of
0: threes and sevens, how about both these uh, kickers aren't great? They're not bad, but they are both kind of middle of the row in terms of uh, percentage on their field goal attempts in the SEC.
1: Yeah, but nobody misses kicks against Alabama.
0: Well, And Alabama never misses kicks, kicks, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Mm -hmm. No, Alabama misses them all the time. Nobody misses them against Alabama. Every kicker is just money against Alabama.
3: I, I think I would rather play the, the, the minus three at plus one sixty than the six and a half at one ninety five.
0: Yeah, I would. I would agree with that. Um, but it's not as fun. <laughs> do y'all want to get into some uh, some player props? Yeah. Okay,
3: Bryce. Oh, no. hey. What? Sorry. What number do you need to bet? Sorry, Chip. What number do you need to bet? Bama team total under? If you wanted that, would you, like would you wait to see if, if this line goes down and you can get a twenty seven or something? Yes.
0: Is that twenty eight right now?
3: No, no, no. It's it's twenty five. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I would not go under twenty five.
3: Uh, hey, I finally just ran some numbers on this. I, Tom, I, I think you're. If you need, if you want to bet six and a half, considering you can get minus three plus one sixty, I, I mm-hmm. think like two twenty five is like the bare minimum you should take. All right. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see.
0: <laughs> Bryce Young over under passing yards three thirteen and a half. <sighs> Under?
1: Over. Over. Yeah. Because, because not like I'm
3: dying to bet it, but yeah.
1: Yeah, like I remember in like the first game, it was at like 260 something. It was the easiest damn bet I'd ever made in my life. But I just feel like if Alabama wins this game, Bryce Young had a good game. If Alabama's losing this game, Bryce Young's throwing a lot.
0: I, yeah, that's it's where you can it is where. Alabama has shown Alabama can get Georgia. So even if they're losing, they're going to have to find ways to move the ball. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think I go over. What about the, Danny? You feel confident in that under? Is that going to make your final? No, season?
2: I just, I would, that was my play. I wouldn't actually yeah. play it, but yeah. I think the loss of Mechie's big. Like I want to see. And I do think there's gotta be adjustments made. Like you, I don't th- like what would be the number that you would take the under? Like, how high would it have to go if it was 343? 330. Like, add another 15 yeah. yards.
0: I start to think about it. Just because then that's when we're talking about the in, – in a modern college football game, in an offense like Alabama runs, you catch a lot of like 325, you know, a lot of uh, 319, 317. I think if it got up to – if we started sniffing 350, that's where it seems uh, a little bit too high for me. What about Stetson Bennett over under – 244
1: and a half. I would take, all right, I don't know. There's, I I found it at 249 and a half somewhere else. I would go under 249 and a half,
0: but not 244.
3: It's five yards, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Go over on, on, on either. Over on both? Both these teams, when they play each other, they throw the ball a lot more than normal. Because they look, can't run look, the
2: balls effectively.
3: Look at the four matchups. They like, yeah, exactly.
1: I will take the over twenty and a half on James Cook's receiving yards.
3: That was easy money in the last game, too. <laughs> so he basically needs one 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 big catch or yeah. or a couple swings. hmm Yeah, I I I think that's probably fair.
2: What's right, Bowers? Do we have Bowers receiving total? Uh let's we see. Seventy five seven, and a half. Oh, I see a book where it's at fifty nine and a half. I man, I would take the over on that one 59 and a half all day long. And I probably would take it on the other one. On 75? Dude, yeah, I think so. The dude's a stud, man. He's been his, he's been the MVP of this offense. I mean, in the first game, he had what? Let's see. He had one, 10 12. catches for
1: 139. Yeah. And I like I'm not going but, that high, but but that's the thing, too. Like, that's probably where Alabama's gonna look to adjust. They're gonna be like, all right, well, we'll take that guy away, and then we'll see if Burton, McConkey, Pickens, and all these other guys can do anything. But that's another reason why I kind of like the James Cook.
0: What about for um, the Brian Robinson rushing yards? I'm currently looking at a 65 and
2: a half. Mm. Oh, I was we were talking that before we came on. I'm like, whatever it is, hit the under. This and is then why I heard it. I'm like, well, wait a second. This
1: is why you got to shop around, because there's another book where Brian Robinson's rushing total is at 85 and a half.
2: I like the under on that one. So let's let's just middle all these things. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, Coco uh, Co- Co chiming in in the chat that the Bryce Young over under passing yards in the SEC title game was anywhere from two fifty nine to two seventy six.
3: Yeah, Wait, I... Tom, private chat or who has eighty five for Brian Robinson? Uh, okay. Or can who we just say it? it? With? <laughs> oh, I mean they're they're a US book. We 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 can mention them. I think. Yeah. But yeah. DraftKings, uh, DraftKings, draft Kings. yeah, 135 <laughs> for sure. Hammer that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course, we always support uh, Caesars, William Hill, and you should you should too. But that's an opportunity, and we I always support the it. consumer first. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so interesting note about the uh, the rushing attack. Alabama, not uh, especially compared to Al- to Georgia, and just in general, not a lot of explosive runs. Uh, Georgia had 23 runs of 20 plus yards on the season. Alabama just had 13 go to 30 plus yards. Georgia had 10 Alabama just had three. So when you're thinking about those Brian Robinson rushing yards and, you know, we we mentioned it earlier with the passing yards to cook, at least based on what we've seen from the season, it's not like you're going to get one B Rob run where he's going to get 30, 40 yards and all of a sudden have you sweating. At least that's not been the way that it has been so far. What about for the Russian yards for the Georgia Backs? So we got Zeus, uh Zemir White at 53 and a half. James Cook at 42 and a half. I
1: like I would so, lean over. Yeah. I but that's the thing I feel like Cook's gonna be used more as a receiving threat in this game more than anything. And I feel like there's more value on that because I just I don't know. Um yeah. I'd probably still go over. I'm trying I to see where
0: else can get I think Zemir White can get you that um breakdown, somebody takes the wrong gap, something doesn't work, and all of a sudden he's got like a, a 30 yard run that gets you more than halfway of where you need to go. And then the the rest of it comes on the other nineteen carries that he's probably gonna have in this game.
3: See, I'm trying to oh, what's see what's the here. number on Zeus again? 52?
0: 53 and a
1: half. Yeah, but again at DraftKings it is at 40 and i would a half. go under on 53. Okay. <laughs> this is my favorite part of like the props for college football games is that
3: there is such a wide variance from book to book. The thing is they don't really take big bets on this, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. there's no like as a company, there's no reliability for them setting bad player prop odds because if they if they entice you to to, to deposit with them and you bet it what's the max you're going to lose on like 500 bucks Hell, some of these places even let you parlay this stuff
1: which yeah that's that's the thing like these are mostly correlated if you think about it for these books most of these things exist for like their same game parlay stuff yeah exactly which
3: is never going to win for you in the long run and you'll lose it back to them on other bets anyway even if Mm -hmm. you do happen to to be sharp on these
0: jameson are you we are talking about jameson williams right 115 and a half
2: I say under. I would. I think they're going to help more. They got to. They got to come up with a better plan. <laughs> they can't. He can't torch them again. I go my, under as well.
0: Yeah, part of my Alabama pick is also confidence and.
2: Um, that they will do it again. You
0: no know, confidence in JaQuori Brooks. You know, yeah. confidence that they've got players that are ready to step up and be able to be a real difference maker in this game. In which case, yeah, maybe Jameson Williams does go under. And, so would you take
1: would you take Corey Brooks over 37 and a half then, Chip?
0: Ooh, 37's a big number. But yeah, I think I would. What's Slade Bolden touchdown anytime?
1: <laughs> <laughs> let me check. See if, if I can find one.
0: That's I, I think that I, that might be uh that might be the go-to play right there.
1: Slade Bolden. I don't think they have that yet on here, but let me see what they have on the other. One. Can I just say the names? Fan yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm looking at Slade Bolden touchdown anytime uh at FanDuel at plus one ninety. I wish I could get more than that. I think I would rather have the Ja'Cory Brooks plus two sixty at that point.
1: Or you can first touchdown score for Slade Bolden at why is this taking forever at plus thirteen hundred. So he scored the
3: first touchdown against Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Pass. I got any <laughs> any time touchdown score on Brooks at Is plus 260. Or wait, yeah. you want to slay Bolden? Yeah, 190. Yeah yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, I I would say I'd almost rather have Brooks for the for the value there because I think that you got a chance, about an equal chance of either one of them being able to get it done in the end zone.
3: I mean, I would parlay Jameson Williams yards under with touchdown no, if I can find a yes no prop on that. Simply the idea that he's not a, not a great red zone threat, and mm. uh, you know you figure those are kind of correlated, right? Like his score is likely to be longer, and if he has a longer score, he's going to hit his yardage prop.
0: Any other general? Uh, it- any other like player props that stand out to you or, or just a way that you would, uh, you would approach it as you know, we're seeing you know, 25, you know, 15, 10, 15, 25 yards of difference in some of these. Any other players that you would target uh, based on uh, a theory on the way this is going to play out? Uh,
1: wouldn't mind a Washington touchdown prop. He caught one in the first game. He is
3: at plus 650. Woo. Yeah. It's a big body.
1: I mean, that's it's it's basically the the only targets he gets are in the red zone if they have them. So it's very
3: specific. I don't think that's great value on it, but I would consider it. Would you would you play Javon Baker at plus a thousand? I'm thinking about it because Nick, if in the pregame for the semifinal, he was like, "Hey, what are you going to do without John Mechie?" And Nick's like, "Well, we need some guys like Javon Baker to step up." I've seen Javon Baker in recruiting camps. Maybe this is way too inside baseball, or maybe this is fun for the listener. I don't know but like he's a guy who fights for the ball very well. I think it could be a guy they could use in the red zone to replace Mechie. and he's also from Georgia. So betting on the guy, you know, from the home state to show out against the uh against the opponent.
0: Lad McConkey plus 350 touchdown anytime.
1: <laughs> he caught one in the first game. Mhm. Only had two catches, but one of them was a touchdown.
0: It, what about live approach? Any in Anything that you could you would see that would trip you off and and have you start uh
2: start unloading um based on on the action on the field like you were saying you like you're you're talking about Bama alt lines I mean if it goes Georgia 10 nothing like start just Bama. find out what the money line is on Bama <laughs> at that point <laughs> <laughs> right um <laughs> betting
3: uh betting Georgia when Bama gets into the red zone would be one um uh, because the number, like the, the number, is going to jump in a way
0: that, uh, like, just by getting into the red zone, it's going to jump in Alabama's favor. Yeah. Thinking that they're scoring a touchdown, but Georgia's got one of the best red zone defenses in the country. They might not score a touchdown. So, however many points that changes, that's what you're trying to go for.
3: Yeah, correct. And then wow. you know, bet, betting Bama after, after Georgia runs on second and ten. You know, just the idea that like Bennett is not really very good on third down. <laughs> To be it. fair, though, he doesn't get a lot of opportunities. That's true. Uh, he only had a couple games this year where his average third down distance was greater than six. Mm-hmm. I think it was – Practice
1: picks. <laughs> perfect.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was what? Tennessee, Alabama, and then I think Vandy. Um, like if they're not in situations where the defense has to respect the play action, he's not very good. Mm-hmm. So, Which is why I think you need to hit explosive plays on early downs with him. So like if I can find like Georgia longest score over, I want to hit that.
2: Is that a game prop available yet? That's so oh. By the way, that we'll be able to play one. this game. Well, I'll be in Indy, so I can actually bet there, right? Yes. Indy, uh, Indy, yeah, Indy's yeah, yeah. Uh, they actually have Circa pop. at
3: Indy, which is
1: yeah. nice. Just picture Danny and I in the press box on Monday, <laughs> just live betting everything.
2: Yes, every series. Yeah, every pass. That's that's what we need.
0: We need the. Um, we'll just we'll just set up a YouTube live stream of the two of y'all in the press box with the live bets.
3: Tom's got, Tom's got, got one side loaded up. Danny's got the other side. As of the plays ahead of the, just computer. the, the middle.
0: Arbitrage in the cover, in the, cover three arbitrage in Lucas oil stadium. Yeah. Let's go. All right. So uh, this question did come in earlier. Who's going to be going? And there's a uh, part of your answer. Uh, Danny will be there on site. Tom, you will be there on site, but you will be in San Antonio.
3: Yeah, I'm going to the coaching convention. Uh, I haven't seen some of these guys in two years, so it's a little source maintenance. Hopefully, we can uh, we can get some some of these dudes as guests on the podcast come the summer when we have to fill some content, and it should be good. And you know, we'll get some cool stuff. You know, what the coaches are thinking on stuff behind the scenes. Hopefully,
0: that's right, baby. Carrying water, you know, the, you got to pick up the mantle from where Barton left off. You got to come back from talking to coaches. <laughs> a lot of positivity about some of these teams that are oh, coming yeah. in. <laughs> Um uh, uh, awesome.
1: So, well, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh on Monday night, once the game is done, uh immediately after the game is done, I know I've got to jump on CBS Sports HQ in time for the boys in Indy to be able to get set, but as soon as I'm clear, I'm jumping right on uh the cover three live stream. Maybe bud will go ahead and get it started, get people Get, start talking to the people We'll, uh, but we're as soon as possible after the conclusion of the game our, our movement is going to be to try and find you uh, the viewers and the listeners of the Cover 3 podcast so that we can talk about every single thing that happened uh, we're, we're fired up about it uh, gentlemen safe travels to, to those of you that are going and Bud also uh, on your way to the coaches convention you can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell you can follow him at Tom Fernelli you can follow him at Bud Elliott. 3 gentlemen Thank you very much.
1: Open the roof.
3: Yeah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.